I'm Sharon Steitler, the bird chick, and I am here with non-birding Bill. Hello. And it doesn't matter how many times I say my name on this podcast, people will still call me Sharon Stittler or Sharon Stittetler. It's a difficult name when you see it. I know. I mean, nobody if can. If it was S-T-E-I-T. Which a lot of people try to spell it that way. We'd have no problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a, it's got a silent E. I figured this out a long time ago. It's got a silent E in the middle of the name. So the first E is silent and it makes the I long. And then the L-E-R. It's, it's a mess. And I have tried numerous iterations of spelling it for people over the right. years. Like, I, I, you know, it's like, it's S-T-I-T-E-L-E-R. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, still, Stittler. They just drop that, that E. E screws people up. And it's like, you know, and like every now and then someone I may have known since, I don't know, 1996 mm-hmm. might be writing my name sure. in an article or something like that. Someone who gets regular emails with my SIG file. Mm-hmm. We'll just, like, drop the E, or, like, out no, of things. Like, and this is Sharon Stittler. I'm like, how long have we known each other? No, let me tell you that you are going to die having mis- people you know for years. Why didn't I just keep name? my maiden name? I did keep it as my middle name, because right. I really like writing I no the idea. letter K. Well, I, there, there were yeah. a couple of reasons. Number one, I was all like, well, I'm going from one man's name to another, so what does uh-huh. it matter? And then I was like, you know, Cobalt gets mispronounced. I'm, I'm often sharing Koval, mm-hmm. and I've known a few Covels in my life, mm-hmm. spelled with a C, and I would get confused with that, so I was like, well, let's let's just do the Steitler thing. I think being SS no, is going to be it's, good, and it's I, not. I, at this point in my life, I'm just amused by it, like Schittler and Scheitler and oh, yeah. Chitella and all this. And like, I think I've told this on the podcast before, the time I was uh, going through the Frankfurt oh, yeah. airport with my passport, going through customs and giving him, and I'm just mm-hmm. dog-tired at this point, and the guy looks at the passport and is like, ah, Stettler! And I was like, no, it's Steitler. And it's just, it was just out of mm-hmm. habit. You never correct anybody. In and then he said something in German, which I'm pretty sure is you idiot. Over here we pronounce it right. Steitler. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't even get, I'm just, I just try to collect new spellings. That's the only thing I'm looking for. Uh, yeah. No, I, I don't even get mad at it anymore. I like, I can't get mad at it anymore. I was anymore. in an Austrian airport and apparently someone was calling my name and saying mm-hmm. Steitler in such a weird way that sure. it wasn't even registering. And then someone who mm-hmm. spoke Austrian and, and was mm-hmm. with me and knew, mm-hmm. you know, was there mm-hmm. to pick me mm-hmm. up. It's like, isn't that your name that they're saying on there? And I was like, wait, what? And then, yeah, anyway. No, there's no, there's, the, the, the name is impossible to pronounce. All correctly. right. So this podcast is not about birds. It's about how to misspell my name. Exactly. Uh, so you just got back from Dragon Con. I did. I had a really great time. And uh, I love the many things you came back with. Number one being the uh, plastic replica of Bubo the Owl from the 1981 Clash of the Titans. Yeah, I was uh, <laughs> I was super happy to, to get that for you. Uh, I was, was super happy to receive it, let's be clear. <laughs> well, what was interesting for me was, because I was trying to figure out if I, uh, I uh, overpaid for that, and it was like, so I was like, it's apparently they don't. It make was it for anymore. your wife. You did not overpay. No, I did not. But I was like, I was trying to figure out like, so I was like looking at like the only thing it, they don't make it anymore, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. But uh, they were like, here's what it's gonna look like, and the bird is like so much cooler. It's like the legs are like splayed out and stuff. Basically, what I got you was a a plastic roof owl that looks like Boo Boo the owl, and I'm so happy I got it. Yeah, for you. it doesn't have the horns. I really do no. kind of want to like put it outside, <laughs> maybe put like some little mechanical birds yeah. around. It's like so, fake owls don't yeah. work. But Worn no, back. and it's got and I love the straps. As a matter of fact, when I was leaving the building mm-hmm. in the office downstairs, I was like talking to them about something. I'm like, what are you holding? I was like, oh, my husband got me this owl from Clash of the Titans from Dragon Con. And they're yes. like. Wait a minute, those straps, can you wear it? And I said, yes, <laughs> yes let me can. show you. And so I showed them. So it's now living in my office at work. It is designed work. to be put on your shoulder. It is, and it fits nicely on yes, your shoulder. The straps are professional. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, anyone who comes to my office sees it and is like, can I wear it? Of course. 
course you can. Put it on. It looks great. Maybe for the next uh, convergence, you can be a uh, a monster ranger, and that can be your... uh... I don't know, man, because it's like, I I need... Well, I already have the running gag of when I do my tech nature programs. Spoiler alert if you come to one of my programs. I'm doing four of them this this winter uh, in Minnesota. Um, I come out, like, as the park ranger, but I've got, like, my utility belt. Mm -hmm. I've got that insane... um, Sure. The tactical birding harness, which I love, by the way. And uh, then um, I have my Batman mask and my ranger hat. And so I just kind of come out. It's like, let's talk tech nature. Well, the nice part is it's also because it's curved. uh, The base is curved and padded to fit on your shoulder. You can also put it on your arm like you're going to do a falconry Yes, and I've done that too. (laughs) But here's the thing. So because it's designed to sit on your shoulder and like your shoulder isn't perfectly straight, your shoulder is at an angle. When I set it on my shelf next to my very inaccurate, I think it's supposed to be a crow that I got at Walgreens skeleton. Right. It, it kind of leans to the side a little bit, so it's not as accurate as it could be. But yeah, it's there with all my inaccurate birds Wonderful. in my office and my stuffed black. Book. I'm glad you like that. I love it. I'm I just so happy that you enjoy that. I just love randomly wearing it, and when yeah. someone walks by and looks in my office, or <laughs> one day I'm going to do it when like the head of Midwest Region for the Park Service is walking by. Hey, Kim, how you doing? How do you like my owl? Yeah. Good to see you too, you buddy. Have it on your shoulder. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm working. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm like Klinger trying to get a section eight. So, maybe. um, but yeah, you came back with that and a Golden Girls light switch plate. That was the weird thing about it. So, Dragon Con is a huge science fiction and fantasy convention in Atlanta. It's a little. I mean, it's not Comic Con, but it's like that level of insanity. And so, going into the merch building, which is, as you know, is the America's Mart building where they have the huge uh, garden show, for the trade if you, show. If you ever want to hate consumerism it's, or yeah. capitalism, it's a trade show. Yeah, it's a trade show there. building, and it's literally three levels of geek stuff. And what was so funny to me, like literally every geek thing you can think of, every T-shirt, mashup T-shirt, artwork, professional artists, all this stuff. Anything you can think of, any fandom you can think of, things exist. There were people who were selling, like, lightsabers that you could use to, like, battle each other. Like, not glass. It was like you could, like, literally use this to fight each other and stuff like that. All this insane stuff. And then periodically, there would be Golden Girl stuff. It was amazing. And then, like, the mashed chewing gum. I didn't. I'm so mad I missed that. It was people who were selling, like, vintage bubblegum cards. But the thing about... uh, So, so anyway, there was a place that was selling, like, um, plastic key fobs like you used to see on hotel keys. Um, so there was like one for Twin Peaks, which is kind of obvious. Oh, yeah. There was one for the Bates Motel. There was one for some other hotels. And then there was one for the Shady Pines Rest Home. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I love that in the middle of this like massive black hole of nerddom, like Golden Girls is still there. So yeah, I got a, a Golden Girls uh, switch uh, light switch plate. Oh, well, anyway, it was, yeah. I'm glad you had a good time. I had a fantastic time. You met uh, Wally Sean, which was pretty cool. I met Wally Sean, it was so amazing. All right, so now we should probably actually talk about bird stuff. All right, fine. All right, so we have some bad news to deliver. All right. Uh, it's an end of an era. Eagle Optics is closing. Yeah, that's kind of big news. That They've been in business over 30 years, yeah. and... Uh, uh, y- I'm trying to think like how Eagle Optics fits in my life because I remember, you know, getting involved in birding in the Minnesota community when I moved up here and like mm-hmm. some of the earliest ads you would see were Eagle Optics and you would talk to people yeah. about where they got stuff and at least in Minnesota you either they got were, your stuff uh, at National Camera or you got them from Eagle Optics. On the off chance anyone is listening to the future, they were an optics uh, retailer and they also had their old own brand of optics. 
I love how you think people are going to be listening to this in the future. Like saying, 500 years from now, I'm just what saying, is this evil object? <laughs> exactly. They're going to reconstruct society from this. But some people may not know. So they were a retailer. They sold other people's products. And they also had their own and, line of and, optics. And let's start about... Let, let, so the very beginning of Eagle Optics, mm-hmm. uh, Dan Hamilton, uh, was a former dentist, uh, opened up a Wild Birds Unlimited mm-hmm. and uh, started selling optics through there. Then from there, it was like, oh, you know, no one's really doing this online. I'm going to do it online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then eventually it was like, oh, I know how where optics are made. I'm going to start making optics. And so Dan Hamilton, the, the same person who owns Eagle Optics, also owns Vortex Optics. So there's been a lot of rumor and speculation about, like, ah, what's going to happen because I bought all these Vortex binoculars. Right. Um, there's also the Eagle Optics brand. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I even, it's a great pair of binoculars. Um, I have, uh, a, like, a backup pair of binoculars that I loan out to people that are Eagle Optics Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the price, they're great. Right. They're a great piece of glass. And also, just as a park ranger, I find it hilarious that there's Eagle Optic Rangers. Mm-hmm. So everyone's kind of freaking out about, you know, I these are supposed to have a lifetime warranty what's mm-hmm. going to happen so you know they had this really nice announcement about you know that they're at by the end of this year 2017 they're going to mm-hmm. cease operations of being an online retailer mm-hmm. vortex is still going to continue oh, okay. so and and i don't work for eagle optics mm-hmm. i have absolutely no idea what's going on behind the scenes my guess is is that someone who has recently created their own optic company is suddenly realizing that in the face of Amazon and a lot of other things, there are a lot better margins in selling your own optics rather than trying to sell everybody else's optics where the margins are now razor thin because you're competing with so many people selling them online. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, let's face it. I mean, the one great thing about Eagle Optics was the customer service. I mean, the number of times that uh, like I would order something Mm -hmm. and it would be there free shipping within 48 hours. Well, Full disclosure, like many years ago, you used to work as a freelancer for Eagle Optics. I didn't work as a freelancer. I was an employee. You were for about employee, a year. so I mean, yeah, that's. But like, I mean, yeah, full no, disclosure. I, but but that's I mean, one of the reasons you went to work for them is you liked all the people who worked for them. I, the, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know the people that worked for right. them. Then. No, at the time, it was a really great opportunity to mm-hmm. go from working at a wild bird store to yeah. you know, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So I worked there for about a year, mm-hmm. but that was over ten years ago. Yeah, so I haven't worked there. Huh? Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was like 2005, my friend. Oof. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm like, I don't know what's. So I don't. Incredibly I, old. I know, right? I know. It, I know. It seems like yesterday, but that was a long time ago. So well, good. Um, I'm glad that the I'm glad that the Vortex brand is. is yeah, and you know, so the Eagle Optics range. So let's say you have like an Eagle Optics Ranger, and you're concerned about that brand. The Eagle Optics Ranger brand was created. So that Wild Birds Unlimited could have their own—I shouldn't say they—they they had an exclusive pair of binoculars. So because sure. like way back when it was like the wild, wild west of Wild Bird stores, and mm-hmm. everybody who wanted to ditch their career and start something new thought, "Oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start a Wild Bird store." Right. And that's great to have like a lot of birding knowledge, but for a bird store to work, you actually need to have some retail and economic background. So like. I think of like all the people that started bird stores and mm-hmm. now they're gone. They're, it's not an easy business, but you had the option of just starting your old, own store. Like when I ran a Wild Bird store, I didn't own it. It was not a franchise from Wild Birds Unlimited. 
it was owned by two guys here in the Twin Cities, and the full name was All Seasons Wild Bird Store. Everybody thought we were Wild Birds Unlimited, but we were not. And then also, years ago, there was another franchise you could get called Wild Bird Centers, which I don't think, are those even around anymore? You're asking the wrong person. I haven't seen them for a long time. So, uh, like a way to kind of differentiate themselves, uh, the the Eagle Optics Ranger brand of optics was created specifically for Wild Birds Unlimited companies to sell if mm-hmm. they wanted to sell. So they like they had their own exclusive brand. So anyway, because that's owned by Dan, who owned Eagle Optics and also owned Vortex, you're going to be able to get those service for a while. Okay. You know, they 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 know where the parts are from. I'm sure they have a stockpile of the price. Now, mm-hmm. if you bought, let's say, your Swarovskis from Eagle Optics right. or your Nikons. You're not going to be able to get them cervix, service through Eagle Optics. Cervixed. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> You're not going to be able to insert your optics into your cervix anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. Um, uh, you're going to have to go through your own the company itself, yeah. which you should do anyway, because really, I know you think it's convenient just to send your right. your Swarovskis to Eagle well, Optics if you bought it from there. At the end of the day, they're sending it directly to Swarovski in Rhode mm-hmm. Island. So you're, you're saving yourself some time by just yeah. doing it yourself. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's uh, sad news. Uh, it is there. sad news, and I'm sad because if you've ever gone to a bird festival that Eagle Optics was at, chances are good you got to know somebody named Ben Lisdes. You got to know someone named Kate Fitzmaier, Tom Coonsley, or uh, Nina. And I mean, these were people who genuinely, I shouldn't say was, these are people who genuinely love birds, who mm-hmm. generally love the community, who genu- genuinely loved what they did. The thing with like Eagle Optics that they were really terrible about promoting was all the little stuff that they did to try and help people. Yeah. The staff, you know. Yeah. I mean, yes, they were major contributors to bird festivals. I mm-hmm. mean, the, I mean, you always saw their stuff up there. I mean, if, if a festival needed some money, almost always Eagle Optics was like, not only are we going to have a booth there, but we're going to pony up and like... Right pay for this speaker and this that and the other (sighs) but i mean there were also times where like you could be a grad student and be like this is all the money i have can you help me get some optics because i have to do this survey for my project and they would find a way to get you a good pair of optics um and if you were a nature center if you were a park you could contact someone there and say i only have so much money can you help me get a good deal sometimes that deal would be vortex which you know is still a great pair of binoculars so it's it's the end of an era because no matter what's going to replace it, it's mm-hmm. not going to have that kind of customer service and no. kind of family. No, they, they, I agree. They, they were very passionate people about, uh, about you know, helping you find the best optics in your price range. If I were a younger woman and had more energy, I would consider like, hey, Dan, how much would it cost to buy that Eagle Optics yeah. name for you and just start it on like, it would be hard now at this oh, point. It'd be, it'd be it's Because, let's face it, we are in an Amazon world. I certainly am. But I... I'm not talking about Wonder Woman, <laughs> but no, the, I, I mean, I look at, I mean, I try to buy directly from people, mm-hmm. but let's just look at like Target, CVS, Walgreens, oh, sure. those places have so lost my business thanks to Amazon Prime because I hate going shopping for those little errandy yeah. things. So at the end of the day, if I can like quick order shampoo and dishwasher detergent and rabbit mm-hmm. litter and just have it delivered here, yeah. I'm going to use Amazon no, that's, Prime. That's... Yeah, I, I don't. I'm I'm sorry that uh, I'm sorry that uh, Eagle Optics is is closing. But I'm, you know, when you get people who are passionate like that, I'm I'm confident that they are going to land on their feet because 
there are other companies who are looking for people who 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 give a damn, frankly. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who, yeah. Like yeah. And so. the, the thing that you're going to lose overall, and, and one thing I used to tell people is like, if you have questions, you can call Eagle Optics. Mm-hmm. They will spend a lot of yeah, time with you on the phone. That is, yeah. I mean, as much as I, I, when I'm buying something on Amazon, and like you, I frequently do, I will gloss the, uh, the the customer reviews but you don't know who these idiots are like people are prone to mistakes and people are can be wrong but you meet somebody you can actually talk to especially if you're making a major purchase like this you meet somebody who knows what they're talking about can tell you okay for the money that you want to spend this is what you want to get yeah yeah and i mean the number of people who a lot of people email me questions about optics and things like that who Mm -hmm. say okay i found it at this optic at this price at Mm -hmm. eagle optics i also Mm -hmm. found it over here at this price and number one i'm just going to tell everybody pro tip Never buy your optics from eBay. Never. Terrible idea. Terrible idea. And this is one of the reasons why. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of credit card theft that happens out there. Yeah. And when a credit card is stolen, one thing that thieves like to do is they would go to places like Eagle Optics or mm-hmm. someone else that would sell optics and do a major order of several pairs on the stolen credit card. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, they would go onto eBay and anything they ordered, they would sell for whatever because they weren't really going to be paying for them themselves. Right. If at some point during that transaction, the fraud was figured out, mm-hmm. if you had already paid for those optics on eBay and the authorities had stepped in and been like, oh, this is a fraudulent transaction transaction everything you mm. have lost your money you are mm. not going to get it back so never and then also if you order things yeah. on ebay warranties are not no they're not no they're not because because everyone's like oh these are probably stolen. no i'll buy something like incredibly obscure on ebay oh or yeah like yeah uh, you know like old like old dvds of movies that aren't imprinted anymore no i would never buy optics on ebay i would risk maybe a tripod or a tripod head mm. on ebay i but as far as like binoculars scopes camera i would equipment, do that if it was like Again, it's like something like, okay, I have this old tripod and they don't make this anymore and eBay is the only place I can get this. And mm-hmm. like, yeah. I, I don't know. I just feel like I shouldn't say it. Uh, yeah, anyway, anyway so, yeah, so do that. Uh, on the other hand, uh, right now Eagle Optics has a has an end of an era sale going on. Mm. So uh, a lot of things are gone. Like if you're thinking, right. holy mackerel, am I going to get some Leicas on a discount right now? No, you're not. Yeah. Uh, the Leica, the, the, those... Those are gone. Uh, a right. lot of Swarovskis are gone. I did actually order a few uh, digiscoping parts. I was like, oh, that might be nice to have for my workshop. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, do that. If you've ever worked with anyone at Eagle Optics and you happen to know them through Facebook or email, drop them a note. Let them know how much you appreciated their service because all those folks are going through a hard time. And yeah. I imagine almost all of them <sighs> have the option of going to work for Vortex. But, anyway, they Eagle Optics was a great company who gave a lot to the birding community yeah and uh yeah adrian mike kate everyone that i knew that worked there hey let's 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 give a toast to eagle optics there you go pour one out for our homies yeah all right what's our next story okay Realize that I think pretty much all our stories are going to be kind of depressing, so you need well, to insert just, some okay. humor. <laughs> I'll do my best. It's not. It's not a happy time in the world of nature right now here in America. Let's, no, it's, uh, it's for nature or or for people right now. Right. I, I have to admit, I'm I'm slightly distracted during this podcast yeah. because 
and I have a feeling if you're listening uh, within 24 to 48 hours after this podcast goes out, chances are good you know someone in Florida right. or uh, you or Texas recently right. who just yeah. went through Hurricane Harvey. But uh, Irma is is hitting Florida right now as as we're recording this, yes. and uh, I have friends that live in Miami. We have relatives. I have relatives that live uh, in about three. Well, no, uh, sometime in this night. It's not a good time. It's not a good time. Uh, Losing contact with people because cell towers are being knocked out, and then yep. thinking I, they, these people know what they're doing. I'm sure they're fine, and I'm sure I'll yeah. hear from them soon. But I'm just kind of waiting. The other thing that is kind of gut wrenching today is uh, Hurricane Irma went through Cuba. I've not yeah. written very much about uh, my travel to Cuba because I, I just really wanted some space. Oh, I wanted sure. to kind of sit on it and then and write it. And then someone who knew I went to Cuba sent me uh, a BuzzFeed article. Speed with like 21 pictures of the devastation and just yeah. recognizing places I had been. Yeah, no, and also just thinking like we saw some pretty interesting power line situations going on in Cuba, and then just just seeing the devastation and it's... not hearing from any of the people that I know. Well, no, that and the we fucked up thing, the, the especially fucked up thing, is that you know Cuba's biggest ally was the Soviet Union. They don't exist anymore, and they're still allies with Russia. It's like we are right here and we can help them, but we don't have the diplomatic ties to go in and help. Yeah, and the dip- diplomatic. Yeah, and we. We should, we should help Cuba. It's insane. And the other thing about not hearing from Cuba, mm-hmm. I can't remember if we talked about this on the podcast, but the internet situation down there is insane. Yeah. Imagine internet 10 years ago. Yeah. And oh, the I only... would even say like 20 years ago. Well, they just got internet five years. Yeah. Within the last five But I mean, years. just like they don't have, they don't have, they have cell service, but they don't have like 3G or LTE. No. Like you can't. No, and if you want to access the internet as the general public, the only way you can do it is by buying these internet cards. You have to go to a cafe, You have to go to a hotspot. And actually, there was one place in Keokoko. Mm -hmm. It was one of those all-inclusive resorts. They actually had really good Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, But Keokoko got hit really hard. And and that's also where the Bahama Mockingbird is. And (sighs) the other thing I'm thinking about is in Cuba, all the feral cats and dogs that are there that i mean that you know like people adopt the dogs and they have a tag and it's like they didn't go anywhere probably in the next podcast we'll have some options for helping people in florida and uh the cuba and the other islands well and i and i feel weird but i feel like the internet is doing a good job of telling you who to help sure and there are a lot of organizations that need help right now because uh i mean whether you donate to humane societies Mm -hmm. whether you donate to General purpose funds. Uh, general purpose funds. I don't. I don't want to tell people. These no, are no, things. no. They're, but I mean, if you go on Facebook and type in hurricane help, or yeah. if you go onto the internet, there are a lot of great organizations. I'm gonna say this. I know that. I know that a lot of places like uh, want to like let you buy things to send to them. The best thing you can do is a send money. Send money because these organizations can buy thing in buy things in bulk. They know what they are doing, and the stuff you send will get better will get there quicker and better than you buying a first aid kit and trying to send yeah, it Yeah, don't there. send clothing, don't send toys. Don't do that. Give money to respectable organizations. Second thing you can do, please, 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 ladies and gentlemen, give blood. So many places need blood right now. Um, if you are able to give blood, go and do it. It takes about an hour. It hurts just a tiny little bit. I am going to go do that this week. Um, it's been ages since I gave blood because the last time I gave blood, I was no. You give blood way more than I do, but the last time I did, I was so freaked out about it. Like mm-hmm. your heart rate's too high, we can't take blood from you. Yeah, I know. It's it's been a while since I give. I used to give blood regularly every time I worked downtown, and now that I don't work downtown, I I am going to absolutely do. Please uh, give even like if you can give money, please give money. Any amount helps. 
if you can give blood, please give blood, people. We are we need so much blood to help people. So, um, so yeah. So Cuba, it's a it's a messed up situation. Florida, you we are you are in our thoughts right now, and you'll be in our bank accounts shortly. Yeah, as soon as things calm down, and we and can then help also I've been been looking at other things like uh, so I know someone who works for the Gulf Coast Bird Observatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had some of their facilities damaged. The the people right. that work for there. Their homes are as okay as can be. They're going to be sure. fine. But they, they've lost some buildings. The other thing is that the Rockport Hummingbird Festival normally happens mm-hmm. uh, in September. As I've, I've been there. It's a great little festival. Um, it's canceled, understandably, Probably. because yes. Rockport Wise. is devastated. Yep. But the other thing that I've seen going out is like, hey, anything you can do to put out hummingbird nectar or anything like that because the habitat that they need to mm-hmm. cross the Gulf of Mexico is gone, and we need to supplement that because they mm-hmm. have to make yeah, that crazy 18-hour yeah, yeah, yeah. journey across the Gulf of Mexico. So it's just thinking about those things and, you know, getting the question of, what the hell do birds do during a hurricane? You know, when, sure. when a Category 5 is happening. Yeah. And there's actually a really good article in Forbes. And it's written by girl scientist. Um, gosh, she's been on the Internet almost as long as I have, and it's mm-hmm. a bit more scientific than I am. But she has a really <laughs> great comprehensive article mm-hmm. about um, different species and what they do and sure. how they survive. And you can read through it. And here's the bottom line. Everybody has a different strategy. Some of it's luck. Some of it is, hey, that strategy might work. Mm-hmm. And at the bottom line, there are some birds that are going to die. There's some birds that are going to get displaced. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the... Uh, you know, there'll there'll be a lot of reports of birds in the eye of a hurricane. There's a there's a gif of a guy pointing out birds in the middle of the eye because it's mm-hmm. calm in the eye. Yes, and so birds are just trying to ride that out till yes. the winds subside, and then that's how you suddenly find, hey, there's there's a gigantic flock of chimney swifts way yeah. where they're they're not supposed to be. Um, but some birds, like migratory birds, some of them can sense the pressure change, so mm-hmm. they get down to Florida, and all of a sudden they're like. Oh, this isn't good. Let's let's do a reverse migration and go back mm. north. So some of the blue plumes that you're seeing on night radar might not be birds that are trying to call, cross the Gulf. Those mm-hmm. are going to be birds that are just like, let's backtrack a little bit. Maybe uh-huh. maybe, maybe you want to get out here. But then you have some birds that are kind of sedentary. You know, you have your endemic birds that stay in one spot. Birds I'm thinking of like in Cuba would be like the bee hummingbird or some of the parrots. If these are cavity nesting species. They're going to try and stay in a cavity, right. which might work so long as the wind isn't strong enough right, to break right, 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 right. the tree. Uh, you have other birds like whimbrels, which we've talked about on the podcast before, which will fly right at the hurricane and be like, bring it. And they know how to fly, or I shouldn't say no, they're able to fly around the edge of the hurricane, manage that with their powered flight. Mm-hmm. They might land on exa- exhausted on some Caribbean islands where the habit is to, hey, let's shoot everything we see. So yeah. it's, there's a, although with some of the devastation in the Caribbean, maybe everybody be too busy to go shooting everything. Or I don't know, maybe people will be out of food and be like, be out of food, yeah. That's, that's which I'm that. not going to begrudge someone if no. your family is starving. No. And there's a bird, a bird there and you need to eat. That's absolutely what I would do. Um, all right. Next. So anyway, it's, it's going to be rough, but if you're remotely curious about what birds do and what mm-hmm. happens, um, no, birds, bird, bird uh, this is it, I mean, and this is something that I think I brought up before. It's fascinating to me is that, like animals, as I think I've said, animals have to react on instinct, but it's always interesting to me how instinct plays out because they're not machines. They're not mm-hmm. going to fly right into the hurricane just because migration tells them that they have to do that. There's, we don't understand how it works. One of the greatest examples was last year when that bald eagle attacked that osprey nest, mm-hmm. and there were three chicks in there. 
and all three chicks did a different strategy. Mm-hmm. And so one chick was like, screw it. This is the mm-hmm. day I learned to fly. I'm jumping out of the nest. Yeah. And the eagle kind of went for it and then decided not mm-hmm. to. And then he had another chick that did the instinctual thing of like, I'm just going to flatten down and mm-hmm. try to blend in with the nest. And then he had the, the third chick that was like, oh, I'm just going to look as big as I can and like take this guy on. Right. And that's the chick that was grabbed and, mm-hmm. and, and that flew away with it. So, you know, the, the instinct... Three different birds with three different instincts. Depending on how the eagle would have acted, that could have gone. Eagle very easily could have taken the one that decided to fledge early, you know, and it it almost (sighs) did. It's but it's some of it's a crapshoot, some of it is behavior and and how it works out. All right, what's our next story? (laughs) Um, so the sage grouse is in some trouble. Oh yes, I have to be very careful about how I talk about this. All right, because it's going to involve uh, Department of the Interior stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um. Wyoming Wild Game Bird Farm hopes to breed sage grouse. So, is the sage sage grouse a native species? Oh God, yeah. Okay, that's fine. Let's put a baseline there. Okay, so and it's it's because as we brought up before, pheasants are not. We're getting into this whole weird territory here. Okay, okay so sage grouse. They're native. Mm-hmm. They like this uh, sagebrush habitat, mm-hmm. this ecosystem where, like, someone who doesn't know wildlife at all will look like, it's like, well, that's just nothing out there. We no. should build on that to look at those pretty... Who, who cares what's out there? Okay. Sage grouse are in trouble because they're losing habitat. They're losing it quickly. They have very specific habitat needs. Um, it should be put on the endangered species list. However, because this is kind of the western area and some people who may have sage grouse on their property don't want the government telling them what to do with their land. And then also, well, hey, some of this land could be used for, you know, oil or energy and all this. So it's this... It's it's, it's a balancing act. It it should be listed as endangered. Mm -hmm. No one wants to do that because that could just cause some sage grouse to disappear. Under mysterious circumstances. So, anyway, there is a game farm that's like, hey, we know how to breed game birds. Why don't we just start breeding them? And just to give you an idea, Wyoming's largest game bird operation has plans to raise 40,000 pheasants and chucker. Pheasants and the chucker partridge are not native to the United States. Not native, but they are game birds. Yes, yes. And basically, and there are a lot of game farm operations out there, and essentially what they're doing when they're raising pheasants and chucker is they're raising them to be released in the wild so we can shoot them. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's lots of money given to this, and there's habitat. Pheasants forever. There's habitat preservation because of it, Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of other species that benefit from these sorts of operations, but at the end of the day, we're doing this for non-native species we can put out to kill. It's very odd that we have habitat restoration for our species that aren't native to this. Hey, it is tradition. It is recent tradition for us to be able to shoot them. Yeah. That is how people mm. bond outside. Does pheasant taste better than grouse? I mean, I know that I know mm. it's a bigger bird. I Not assume. necessarily. Um, yeah. they both taste good to me. Honestly, I really like okay. them both. I just it's odd to me that we have because I understand pheasant was a game bird that was brought over from England, so there's yeah. a tradition of hunting them. Yeah, and it's odd that this tradition of hunting a non-native species came up as opposed to hunting. I will say this for why both. don't we hunt grouse? We we have pheasant. eaten both pheasant and grouse, and I just want to specify neither one of us has hunted these. Oh no, these no, 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 been, no. These have been gifts, or these have been trades, either for yeah. honey or for mushroom foraging. These we we we, we don't hunt. Not that I'm necessarily against hunting. <clears throat> I'm definitely not against hunting. We, but you and I 
The only thing you and I hunt are mushrooms. <laughs> the only thing I hunt is Jameson. No, I'm perfectly willing to, like, I, as I've said before, I'm willing to recognize my own hypocrisy. I don't hunt. I like to eat meat, and I especially, I will if, if I see game birds in the store. It's like, I don't have a problem with eating this. I don't disapprove of hunting. Hunters are great con- conversations. Conversationalists. Well, they some are. of them are some quite them interesting. Are. But they're also very good conservationists because they're super organized in a way that birders are not. Some of them are. Some of them are not. Yeah. I mean, it's just like birding. We have yeah. some really great birders, and then we have some assholes. Photography, too. Sure. We have some really great ethical photographers, and then we have dicks. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm fascinated that we have such a giant industry in this country for hunting mm-hmm. that we have huge farm operations that are raising tens of thousands of birds so, to release outside. Okay, so let's get back to the, I'm sorry, I distracted us. The sage grouse. So they want to breed the sage grouse. So this grouse. guy who knows how to do this with uh-huh. pheasants and chucker is like, why don't you just hire me to raise sage grouse? Mm-hmm. And the thing with, one of the great things, or I should say, one of the things that make pheasant and chuckle, chucker chuckles, one of the things that makes oh! pheasants and chuckles uh, ideal is uh, their ability to be so adaptable and eat just a little bit of anything and just mm-hmm. be like, oh, hey, I'm going to blunder over here. Maybe I'll mm-hmm. get shot. Maybe I'll survive. Uh, that's exactly what they sound like. <laughs> rah, rah. That's what pheasants are saying. It's like, oh, what's going on over here? <laughs> but the idea, the this article is talking about, it's like, I, I we have the technology. We can rebuild this sure. population. Mm-hmm. And maybe you can, maybe you can't. I mean, we've had some successes with captive breeding. We've mm-hmm. you, Peregrine falcons yes. did very well. Yep. There was also a history of peregrine falcons being bred in captivity for falconry. Mm-hmm. Things have been a little dodgy with whooping cranes and California condors. Yeah. Things are definitely on the upswing with California condors. <sighs> There's now four of them. <laughs> There's actually like... $18 billion spent, and we now have four of them. <laughs> no, there's more than four. Okay, some of them like to rip into people's back porches. No, the, the, the condors are getting better. Now, if we can just I get them to I stop eating. I my opinion on the California condor. We can just stop toilet. getting them to do things like, <laughs> did I tell you about the sign that I saw in the Grand Canyon? But they're shooting up heroin. Is that what the California condors are doing now? <laughs> no, they're like, hey, don't throw your pennies off the side of the canyon, because sometimes condors see something shiny and eat them. Oh. <laughs> and then they die. condors. <laughs> Oh, I love condors. I love oh, condors. God. I love condors are their own uh, okay. podcast. Out of respect for the people who have been doing rehab for their entire lives, I will not say anything about my, my thoughts on the California condor. There are some success. Condors are doing better. They're breeding <laughs> out there. I'm getting some supplemental feeding. But they're breeding. There's like. Their opium addiction levels are way down. <laughs> it's not opium that they're addicted to, it's lead. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, and and so the, anyway, so sage it's a grouse. learning curve breeding and getting these things sure. back in the wild, and so sage sage grouse, sure they have some similarities to pheasants and things like that, but they also have very specific habitat requirements, mm-hmm. and and but this guy's like, I want to try it, and it's okay. and on the one hand, it's like, okay, this is something to do, but the other thing is, you know, you have people out there. Uh, who are saying, I don't think it's reasonable to think that raising a captive population would be a material augmentation to wild populations. Disagree. What we're trying to do is have an additional arrow in the quiver that would help avoid 
having the listing of the bird is endangered. Many, many years ago, and I know that we've talked about this before, uh, a friend of ours, um, Jen Olson, talked about this idea that uh, the way to preserve a species is to make it edible, which is what worked in a big, big way with um, the bison, which was that uh, people started raising bison and like cultivating wild populations so that they could be harvested and eaten. And now that the, 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 the American buffalo has come back from the verge of extinction and now we have a sustainable population and you're making a face. So you need to commodify this creature and maybe that'll okay, work with this. Okay, so the reason why I'm making this face is all of this is about we're going to do this as a stopgap because it's easier to do that mm-hmm. than to preserve the habitat that it needs. No, there, it gives people a financial reason to... Well, here's a perfect example. Like, I'm seeing, like, hurricane... Uh, all this hurricane release stuff. Like, there are company Like, the Red Cross has got donations everywhere. Apple has a link on the iTunes page. Amazon has got a thing like, hey, donate to this relief. We'll match this donation. And then I saw another company who sells uh, uh, Dungeons & Dragons stuff online. They're like, if you buy this pack of adventures for 10 bucks, we'll donate all of this to Hurricane Harvey Relief. What does this have and to do with like, Sage Grouse? Well, no, I'm just saying, like, you need to give people a financial incentive. So it's like, hey, if we bring this back, or not like, it's not like an end user thing. It's like this thing like, okay, let's uh, bring back the sage grouse and then you can harvest this and make money off of this and then this creature will be alive in the wild. Is it going to be alive in the wild? I mean, that, that, that's bison my... Bison are so... alive in the wild. Well, we brought bison back. So you see these bison farms, are these wild animals? There are some bison who are wild. There are yeah. some bison in parks. Walk up to a bison that's in a park and see if it's wild or not. <laughs> oh, it'll tell you it's yeah, wild. Yeah, no shit. It will fuck you up. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is like we've we pulled that particular animal back from extinction. And granted, we're not eating peregrine meat, but it was still, you know. No, no, but there are some species that are suited to captive breeding mm. and, and it works out okay. And then there are some species where it's like, eh. Well, and so are we going to get to the point where it's like, hey, let's raise about 40,000 sage grouse a year and then dump that outside. None well, of them are probably going to make it into next year. Yeah. We'll just breed more. But you can shoot the hell yeah. out of them. And well, that gets in the issue of, like, are we trying to maintain the habitat? Because, yeah. No, that, and that's, then I think that's, that's an essential that's, question. That's Good essentially point. what's going on. That's essentially, I'm not saying a particular department or interior is saying anything, but I'm just saying mm-hmm. it's like, we can't commit to making this an endangered species. Okay, let's try captive breeding. And if you just, like, breed them, hey, maybe we yeah. can hunt them. And it's, it's, it's I, I don't know how else to solve this, but essentially yeah. the, the message that's being put out there is we're not going to save this habitat. This habitat is done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, our only choice is, and, and I don't know if the birds are going to, I don't know. Here's the really depressing part. Great, great. I was worried we weren't going to get to the depressing <laughs> part of this podcast. No. Great, lay uh, it on me. Okay. Ugh, I'm on. not sure if the birds are going to take to it. I don't know if this is a species that it will All work right. out well for. Number two, I don't know if there's enough interest from people to say more than, meh. Eat sage grouse. Don't eat, don't eat pheasant. We can't eat, eat sage grouse right now. It's too soon. Too All soon, right. Bill. Too soon. Anyway. We can't eat sage grouse now. Right. I don't know. I, I got don't... one more story in me. Give me one more story and then we're done. <sighs> that may have been the last story. Oh, thank God. This is Bird Chick Podcast. No, we got to end on something happier. No, gotta, there's nothing gotta... happy. This is all depressing. Uh, it's all shit news. No, 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 no. Let me double check. Let me double check. There's got to be There's gotta be something. 
Okay, so you have, I, I do, I do, I do, I do. You have I a do. non-depressing link. I have a non-depressing okay. link. And How it many is, legs does the dog have left at the end of this story? Um, no, it is something called Big Day Birding. Okay. Uh, it is a t-shirt company, and they have some very fun t-shirts. Okay. Um, they, they have a very lovely Nighthawk design. Uh, okay. They have actually a shirt that I, I am probably going to order that I really like that is a pixelated cardinal. Mm-hmm. A pixelated Paraluxia mm-hmm. and a pixelated uh, Phanopepla. And, and so so anyway, they, they, they have some cool designs. They have a really cool, cool Nighthawk iPhone case of Nighthawks flying over the city. And they have a very hilarious uh, Shrike shirt. So um, you, should, you should... Oh, yes. And they have a very funny thing about Fall Warblers, which... You know, it's basically showing that all fall warblers look the same. You could actually also, if you made the birds a little grayer, it could also be uh, European warblers. <laughs> but no, the the t-shirt okay. is uh, Butcher Bird 3, Judge, Jury, and Excubidor, which is basically... The Lord High Executioner of the Woods. Okay, take a look at this picture. Look at this bloodthirsty shrike going after this mouse. And like, it's pretty bad. There's, there's a lot badass. of blood on there. That so anyway, big day birding. Check them out. Uh, according to their website, they give 10% of their profits to conservation. Fantastic. I don't know what conservation that is, but they've got some cool designs. As a matter of fact, if you're the weirdo out there who thinks palm warblers are like the greatest thing ever... They have a palm warbler shirt. You weirdo. Okay, come on. I like palm warblers, but I also find them incredibly depressing because they're like, once you see palm warbler, it's like, oh, fuck. Warbler migration is done. Where Winter is totally coming. This burn. Is, the you palm warbler is like the Ned Stark of you warblers. burnt palm warbler. It's like, I'm going to bounce my tail at you like Beyonce, but I'm really Ned Stark saying, winter is coming. All right. This winter is, is coming, Bran. Bird Chick Podcast number 228. If you have any questions, you can email Sharon. She is Sharon at birdchick.com. You can find her on Facebook. She is also on Twitter at birdchick. Though I'm on she Instagram, does too. not check that often. You should definitely follow her on Instagram where she is birdchick. Especially like pictures of rabbits. We will be back after the hurricane stuff with more information about how you can help. And please help. Okay. Are you going to like find the links for how people can help? Because now you've just put that responsibility on me. Yeah, essentially. <sighs> Bye-bye.